Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Right, what's up, y'all? Welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Uh, before we jump into things, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, you name it, we are there. And of course, check out libertyballers.com for all your Sixers needs. Uh, just over three weeks away now from the official start of training camp. Lots to discuss surrounding the Sixers. Usually, these are the dog days of the offseason. Uh, talking about random things like uh, player previews and, and whatnot, but we still have the Ben Simmons drama going on. Joining me to dissect some of that, uh, contributor at LibertyBallers.com, Sean Kennedy. Sean, what's going on, my man? Hey, uh, glad to be on. Yeah, usually this these are the, the quiet periods, but thanks to the Ben Simmons saga and and Rich Paul and Clutch Sports, uh, we, we have some a fair amount of content to churn out this week at Liberty Ballers. But uh, yeah, it's it's getting down to the nitty gritty here. If Dower Mori is uh, going to trade Ben Simmons, a uh, training camp about a month away. And with the, the public trade request that came from Simmons's camp this week, it seems like the Sixers are on the clock. Yeah, Sean, and you wrote you wrote a really, really good piece on this on Liberty Ballers. Uh, you know, basically, man, I'll, the title of it's Ben Simmons passing the buck like he passed the ball, which, by the way, great headline. <laughs> you know, I don't know how if you came up with that on your yeah, own or somebody it, stole that. No, I'm just messing. But that was a, that was a great headline for that. Yeah, that was mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, when you when you're, you know, in, in that piece, you're 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 discussing here, you know, Simmons history. And, and what he was like at LSU and coming up and, you know, during the Brett Brown era where he, you know, the former coach wanted to see Ben shoot at least one three per contest instead never, you know, didn't do that and didn't even really try to. And, and so from your angle, you're, you were looking at this and saying, Hey, this has kind of been a common theme that we've seen uh, throughout his career. When you're looking at, at, you know, and again, I, I think the expectations change in Philly, obviously this guy's coming in as a number one pick, you're, you're hoping that he he can change the franchise around and obviously the process years and, and having Embiid, um, you know, but things changed, you know, and, and going into obviously as soon as that that playoff series loss happened to the Hawks. Do you think that this was a long time coming or was this something that occurred? Do you think, you know, in, in terms of leading up to this, that that Ben all, always had this kind of different expectation and always just had a different aura about him s- since being drafted by the Sixers? Do, do I think that the, the breakup was a long time coming or, or, or the, the trade request the, itself, the, the change in, 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 attitude towards Simmons? Like, is that something that was like a slow buildup you think coming into what happened in the playoffs or was this a, a quick thing that occurred, you know, during that series against the Hawks that just completely obliterated and, and changes changed everything. Yeah. So I don't think it, there was a buildup to it. I, I think there were, there were kind of different camps. There were the, the staunch dent, the staunch, Ben defenders who, you know, rightfully point out how 
terrific he is on the defensive end and everything he brings to the table as far as being a table setter and his work in transition. And on the other hand, you have the people that are just looking at his points per game and saying, like, how can you pay a guy $30 million a year that, you know, some games only scores in single digits? Uh, And, you know, rational people saw both sides of it and said well this is just the guy he is and he's still young let's let's just hope he improves in the in the areas he's weaker in and and just go from there because he is you know extremely talented and uh, a multiple time all-star and and everything else so but then I I think the playoffs are, are kind of a different animal and just the performance he had in the Hawks series where you know not only did he have the same weaknesses he did in previous postseasons? but suddenly he went from a 60 some percent free throw shooter to a, a 33% free throw shooter. And it reached the point that that hack of Ben was happening. And not only was he not hitting those free throws, but it was affecting his game in the sense that he was, he seemed unwilling to attack the basket anymore just because of the, the possibility he could get fouled. And he just didn't want to have to deal with going to the free throw line again. Um, so there was that, and then the obviously the the last three games he attempted. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but a, a total of like seven shots total from the field across three games. Um, and and the, the the kind of last straw was obviously what's been dubbed the pass, which was him, you know, re- neglecting to what looked like a wide open dunk with only Trey Young in the vicinity around the basket instead passing to Matisse Thibel, who got fouled, only made one or two free throws. And then in the the game, the post-game press conference, Joel Embiid kind of pointed to that as as a turning point when saying, I thought we looked like we were going to get two points and we only ended up with one. And, you know, it just, Joel has been very supportive of Ben throughout the years. And it just kind of felt like that was a, a last straw and it kind of reached his his frustration breaking point with that um and and this week joel has you know he went to the social media and defended ben again um although the the not built not everyone is built like this thing is is kind of a subtly savage shot at ben also um but yeah it i i think that that even a lot of the ben defenders slash supporters that atlanta series which was just like that them jumping off the bandwagon like like, how can I continue to defend this? Yeah, it, it, you know, that was kind of, I, I think for me, like you're, like you're saying, you're seeing what, what Embiid was tweeting out and, and talking about how, hey, you know, the, the fans need to be a little bit more accountable. And, you know, he did mention that I like playing with Ben. Um, you know, again, don't know if that's lip service at this point or he's being genuine. But, he, you know, I, I wanted to ask you about that, like him calling out the fans a little bit and saying, you know, Philly fans, you got to be better. How did that make you feel when you saw that? Were you okay with Joel saying that? Or was that something that you were like, hey, man, we've been supporting you and, and been there. And that's just the Philly way. So how, how did you respond to how did you respond to the when you saw uh, Embiid t- tweet that out saying basically that Philly fans got to got to be better, you know, overall? Uh, yeah, that, I think that was a rare miss from Joel uh, in terms of his PR work. Um, usually he's, he's pretty on the point. And, and I think he, he kind of maybe realized that because he, he had the follow-up tweet that said, for clarity, I love mm-hmm. the criticism. So I think that was kind of him backpedaling on, on that earlier statement. Um, yet, like, yes, Philadelphia fans are hard and they boo and everything else. But 
in terms of Ben Simmons, he was getting like standing ovations practically if he hit if he went two for two at the line. Like people were ready to support him, and like they have a history of that. Like Markel Fultz, you know, a similar situation, number one pick here who has shooting it's not exactly the same as Ben, but the fact that you have a number one pick who plays guard substantially and doesn't, and doesn't shoot the ball from the outside, really uh, like people gave him a standing ovation when he had his triple double uh, talk, speaking of Fultz, uh, you know, later in his Sixers career. And uh, it was like a heartwarming moment. Like people, people were ready to support these guys. And uh, like the fan base specifically with Ben, like, there's people that are still defending him. And I, I just, I don't understand how you can have seen what he did offensively or didn't do offensively in the Atlanta series and say like, Hey, this is the guy that you still want to be the, uh, the table setter for your offense. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't understand that from Joel, but I, I get, he was in a defend my, my, my teammate mode. So, and I, I think he did kind of uh, backtrack on that a little bit with his, his follow-up tweet. So Sean, you were you were mentioning how Embiid has had backtracked um, a little bit on on his statement that Philly fans need to be better. But looking at this from the Sixers' perspective, with with Daryl Morey, Elton Brand, uh, you have a 27 year old MVP candidate on your roster, a, a guy who should be in his prime for another two, three, four seasons, and and should be able to put together a championship contender at least with him. When you're looking at this Simmons situation now, though. Uh, where do you think he ends up ultimately? Like, you know, we went through this past week where it was basically, it seemed like every team that was interested in him initially is now out. And then, you know, you're looking at the Timberwolves. Okay. They could put together a package around D Malik Beasley and some picks. Uh, you're looking at a team like the Sacramento Kings who apparently weren't willing to include Tyrese Halliburton or De'Aaron Fox, who would really be the only two guys I would target if I was more, because I don't think Buddy Heald and, and, Marvin Bagley and some future picks are really going to move the needle for the Sixers to try and, you know, catch up to the Nets or, or the Bucks. But when you're looking at this, do you think ultimately Simmons will still be on the roster come time for training camp on the 28th? Or is this something that you see dragging out towards opening night? And then as you get him towards opening night, if, if he doesn't show up and he's getting fined and Maury just kind of sits and waits until, until the situation resolves itself where another team gets desperate or a guy like Dame Lillard or Bradley Beal wants out of their current situation. Yeah, it's definitely tricky because unlike a typical team that was looking to unload a disgruntled star, uh, they might just get all future assets and and call it a day, just say, hey, we're going for a full rebuild. But uh, as you mentioned, they have Sixers have Joel Embiid, who's in his prime and, you know, is a, is a big man that has somewhat of an injury history. So big men don't tend to age as well as other positions. So you really have to kind of say like hey we have a, a limited window here so you, you can't just throw away a, a whole season on a rebuild and obviously Joel was a guy that was the MVP runner-up last season so anytime you have him you're at least you know on the periphery of the conversation so it it, it seems like what Daryl might have to do now is kind of do some kind of bridge deal where he does get a bunch of future assets for Ben in a deal and then he has those in the holster for when maybe around February at the trade deadline, maybe Dame finally does ask for a trade request or Bradley Beal decides that, uh, Hey, 
I, I do want to have a shot at a contending team and Kyle Kuzma isn't the answer. So I, I'm going to ask for a trade or, you know, every year there's one or two stars that uh, pop up as being available that no one even thought of. So you, you kind of just wait. And then suddenly Daryl could have all these great assets to, to offer in a deal that he got from the Ben trade. And, you know, you know, maybe Maxi or Matisse is involved in, in a future deal. And uh, that that's better than any, something anyone else can offer. Um, so I think that's kind of what he's looking at right now. And, you know, maybe it is Minnesota. Maybe I don't, I don't think Russell is the guy the Sixers would target because I don't, I don't view him as a, especially on his contract, like as a very positive asset. So I think they, they might look at, look towards like a Jaden McDaniels and then maybe Beasley and Patrick Beverly to fill out salary stuff. And then, and then a ton of future assets, whether it's, you know, picks and swaps and whatever, what, what have you. Um, San Antonio is another, another team that there's been some, some rumors around uh, DeJounte Murray could be the main player back in a deal. And that mm-hmm. would at least um, offer you someone that could be the point of attack defender that Ben is. So you wouldn't have too drastic a drop off in that, in that case. Um, you, you wouldn't be relying on Danny Green to, to be, guarding Trey Young, the Trey Youngs of the world. Like we saw what a disaster that was in game one of the Atlanta series last year. Um, so you'd still have somebody that can handle that role. Uh, and then the Spurs could offer future assets and they have some other young pieces they could include in the deal that that might be uh, something that other teams in, in a future trade would would look kindly upon. Um, yeah, and then, you know, there's been some, some Indiana buzz. Uh, I, I know this rumor was not substantiated, but Brogdon and, you know, a pick or two that that could be something that the Sixers might be amenable to. Um, and then, yeah, the, the Sacramento stuff, I don't, I don't know what the Kings are doing. Like they're, they're delusional if they think that outside of Fox and Halliburton, they, they have pieces that would get a Ben trade done. Um, but yeah, that's the, I, the, just today, the golden state uh, reports were kind of refuted that golden state ever had interest. Uh, the report was that Daryl called them and offered and asked for the the Wiseman and the two the two first rounders um, and additional picks and Golden State just kind of like politely declined and ha- and hung up and that that was the kind of extent of their involvement. So uh, yeah, I don't I don't know how many true suitors there are out there. Uh, Toronto is another one that's that's been kind of uh, parried back and forth, um, but yeah, I, I do think more so than we might have thought two months ago, it's going to be a lot of future assets, more so than an established guy who might not be quite the star that Ben is, but maybe just a step below him. I, I don't I don't see that as being really in the cards if, if the trade happens. And it's going to have to be kind of a bridge deal where, where Daryl gets something done to get this kind of ticking clock of getting the Ben deal taken care of before training camp starts and he doesn't show up and it becomes kind of a circus. So get that out of the way, get at least 80% of what it would be worth in terms of future assets and a young player or two, whatever else. And then you can, you can have that uh, available to you if a star becomes available in a few months. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, Sean, I think that that's a good way to do it with, in the sense of, Hey, let's, you know what, let's try and get this deal done. So it's not a toxic, you know, situation going into training camp. And we know that the media is pretty much all going to ask about Ben Simmons every friggin' day, as long as he's on the roster, uh, come time for the season. So if they're able to get some sort of assets in terms of number one picks, maybe some young guys, 
um, and, and be able to maybe ship those off during the season if a star becomes available. That's looking like it might be the best case scenario. Now, let's take a short break, Sean. I just want to ask you a couple more questions. Uh, we'll do that in about 30 seconds here. All right, and we're back. Uh, Sean, I want to ask you about the Tyrese Maxey situation. Obviously, he's represented by Rich Paul as well with Clutch. Um, you know, some reports out there saying, and again, take things with a grain of salt when it comes to this, because, you know, no confirmation either way, but Hey, you know what? Maybe Rich Paul will try and get Tyrese Maxey out of, out of Philadelphia, depending on what happens with, uh, with Ben Simmons. But when you're looking at this, uh, whole situation, how are Philly fans feeling towards Rich Paul in general right now? Is he just becoming like (laughs) this dude that nobody wants to deal with or talk about anymore? Yeah. He's kind of, uh, enemy number one when it comes to Sixers basketball, which, uh, I guess Josh Harris has to, to step aside for a second. Um, but yeah, with, with the way this whole Ben thing has been handled and uh, you mentioned the, the Max who reports um, it was Jason Dumas who reported that Tyrese had been pulled out of like charitable events because uh, Rich Paul didn't want him gaining more of a connection with the city of Philadelphia that has since been refuted. So we don't know if he just got bad Intel or, where some people speculate that uh, Tyrese saw that he was being kind of used as leverage and, and told Rich Paul to like, Hey, take care of this. Like what, what, wipe this away. Like, I, I don't want this kind of thing out there. Like I, I because uh, in, in terms of the relationship with Philadelphia and Tyrese, it's been nothing but positive. You have, you have a young guy who came in as a rookie who was selected in the twenties and he was in and out of the regular rotation, but he received a fair amount of playing time during the year. And then he was in the playoffs getting some significant playing time as well. So as far as on the court stuff, there's not much more he could have wanted as a rookie coming in. And then off the court, like everybody has embraced Tyrese from day one. He's been uh, like the favorite son in, in Philadelphia. He gets, he would get standing ovations the first time he would enter the game. And I used to laugh about it. Uh, just like what kind of rookie selected in the twenties got the, got that kind <laughs> of appeal with the fan base right away. It is pretty wild. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, you know, this is all just speculation, but you know, just even seeing his name out there, maybe he just put it, he put the kibosh on that right away. And, you know, then it looked like Kendrick Perkins was another Rich Paul mouthpiece and just mm-hmm. saying like, Oh no, that there's no, no truth to that whatsoever. Like Rich Paul doesn't, doesn't have a problem with Tyrese and being in Philadelphia. So yeah, that, that was a, when, when those reports initially came out, like Sixers fans saw the trade request from Ben and they're like, yeah, what, like, whatever. We, we all know that he wants to move on. We want him to move on. It was kind of a best for everybody situation, but then they came for Tyrese Maxey and it was like, all right, we're ready to go to war now with, uh, with clutch because, you know, you're not taking our, our, our new young point guard away from us. Um, and then, uh, just one other thing with clutch, obviously the, 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 the lawsuit came out, um, with Nerlens Noel, former yeah. Philadelphia 76er, uh, suing clutch this, this summer. And, uh, the, the report from that was that, uh, Rich Paul never even informed Noel that the team was interested in bringing him back uh, in free agency back in, in 2018. Um, so just a lot of, a lot of smoke around the, the relationship between clutch and the Sixers front office, which like is not being a very rosy, Hey, let's all help each other out kind of, kind of situation. So yeah, uh, Rich Paul, not, not the, the favorite guy around uh, Philadelphia these days. 
you know, I don't think Rich Paul's well liked in New Orleans at this point too. And if he can continues to do this, I don't think he's gonna be liked by most uh, NBA uh, NBA cities where where they have a team. Um, I wanted to also ask you this, uh, Sean, before we wrap things up here. Like when you're looking at when you're looking at what the Sixers need to do, and and, and it's interesting, obviously, for a team coming off finishing with the number one record in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, seeing Milwaukee win a championship now and, and, and Brooklyn, you know, will have guys, if, if they have Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, everybody's healthy. Um, they're adding some veteran pieces around them. When you're looking at where the Sixers stand, let's say without Ben Simmons in, in the lineup, where would you put them in the pecking order in the, in the Eastern Conference? Yeah, they're, they're pretty clearly at least third. I mean, Milwaukee, the defending champs, you have to you know, put them up there. And then, yeah, you mentioned the, the big, the big guys in Brooklyn, but also they, they signed uh, Paul Millsap today. Mm-hmm. They, they signed Patty Mills this off season. Like their, their bench is incredibly deep with positive veteran contributors. And so, so if they do have an injury or two pop up, they, they should be able to more than ably, you know, step in and fill the void. And so I, I think Brooklyn has to be far and away the, the favorite right now in the East. So you take those two teams and you say, all right, now Philadelphia can be no higher than third. Um, and they didn't make meaningful steps to get better this off season. I, I think they did some good things. They brought Danny green back on a, a very team friendly deal. And uh, I think the moves in, in the draft were good for the future. Um, but I don't know if they particularly helped them immediately. So, you know, at best they're as good as they were last year. And that's uh, that, that proved not to be good enough. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's a there's a clear tier one, and then you know maybe the Sixers are third, uh, but you know we'll see when the the moves that other teams made in the off season how that how that improves the other the organizations in the East. But um, yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty clear third for me, and I think that kind of plays into maybe Daryl's thinking just not to be all in for this season with whatever, you know, Ben deals might arise to maybe have a little bit more forward thinking. Obviously you can't be too forward thinking because as we talked about, about earlier, Joel is in his prime and you, you can't look too far down the road, but maybe just stay fairly competitive this year and put yourself in good shape to, to maybe next year be, be in a much better position rather than pushing all your chips in for this season. So, Sean, you think, sorry, and I know I said last question there, but I have the ability to talk for hours upon hours. So I have to ask you one more. Like when you're saying, you know, maybe looking at, at building a little, kicking the can a little bit down down the line in, in terms of being like, okay, let's uh, let's try and rebuild, refocus here, get some assets, and then and then build this thing out. So maybe two years from now, we're, we're, we're getting into a championship contention position. But I did want to ask you this. Is, is there only two guys that you look at uh, that that could be available that would bring the Sixers up to the level of Milwaukee and 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 Brooklyn in terms of it's either going to be and again we don't know there could be so many moving parts once the season gets going and, and we get tra- closer to the trade deadline but are you looking at this like hey the only two guys who really move that needle right now are Bradley Beal and Damian Lillard yeah I think those those are the only two guys that have been rumored even so those are the clear cut guys. Any, anyone else, you're just picking names out of a hat. But the thing is somebody, it seems like every season, somebody like that, like comes on the radar and suddenly a team that was expected to be the fifth best team in their conference is not even the playoff picture. And they're suddenly not happy. Like you just never know what's going to happen. So that's, 
that's what when I'm when talking about Daryl, maybe looking slightly more to next season, maybe he does do this bridge deal um, and he gets, you know, a Malcolm Brogdon type to like fill in for Ben this year so that it's not too much of a drop off. Like, yeah, Brogdon is not as good as Ben Simmons, but you're still around like fourth or fifth best team in the East. If you have Malcolm Brogdon instead of Ben Simmons. So you're, you're not throwing the season away. Maybe you do get in the playoffs and suddenly there's an injury and Joel has an MVP caliber impact and you know, you see what happens. So you're not throwing the season away, but then you, you build, you, you build with some future assets and then you look to next summer and then maybe next summer's when Beal or Lillard finally makes the trade request and you still have all those picks that you can use to, to get that superstar, but uh, you didn't waste them on like getting a George Hill type at the deadline because you were all in for this season. Um, I, I think that's, that's kind of what I mean. And yeah, there, there's going to be other guys that become available that are maybe at a similar level to Beal or Lillard, but we, we don't know who they are at this point. And to just say other names, that would just be total speculation without, without any evidence um, at this point. But yeah, those, those are the guys, the only guys that I would consider going all in for at this moment. Yeah, I'm with you. Unless those, unless you're looking at, at acquiring a, a top-notch all-star caliber guy, like you mentioned, that can mention that could probably replace Ben Simmons. I think you're 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 looking at okay, let's try and play the long game, like you mentioned, not too too long because of Joel, but I mean you're trying to look at it and think, all right, let's build this out into a championship contender. Cause again, they were they were the number one team in the East last year throughout the throughout the regular season. And you know, if you know things go a little bit differently with, with Ben Simmons, likely in the conference final, who knows if they would have beat would it be uh, Milwaukee, but you know, they at least would have been, uh, been there. Sean, I want to thanks, uh, say thanks for coming on and doing this. I uh, hope we can do this again th- throughout the season as well. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I was, uh, happy to have a good discussion with you about it. Um, it's a tough situation for Daryl. I don't, I don't envy him what he has in front of him right now. Uh, but, uh, hopefully he, for the Sixers fans sake, he is able to, you know, still retain some value out of this whole situation. Um, but yeah, we'll see. It's going to be an interesting few weeks coming up. Well, like we mentioned off the top, Sean, at least we got something to talk about for the next few weeks. So we're, <laughs> we're still, we're still pretty good. The content mills are churning yes. <laughs> and our bosses are happy about that. So we're, we're good with that as well. Thanks again, Sean. Stay safe right. there as well. All right. Thanks. Take care, everyone. All right, before we uh, wrap things up, just wanted to say to everybody in Philly with uh, with Ida and the, and the remnants of what's going on over there, hopefully, hopefully everybody is staying safe and things get better there sooner than later. Uh, before we do wrap up, also don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. We're going to be trying to up our audio game, uh, doing a lot more content as we get into the regular season. You could do that on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you name it, we are there. And of course, Sean, Paul, a bunch of other people taking care of you at libertyballers.com for all your Sixers needs. 